No wonder Al Bundy's life is so miserable. Look who he's got for a guardian angel. Loser! Sam Kinison in a one-hour Married with Children tonight. Tonight on Married with Children, Al meets his guardian angel. You know I'm Al Bundy? I'm Al Bundy. No! And sees what life would be like if he'd never been born. It's me! She doesn't know you're there, buddy. Just like when you're having sex. <laughs> Sam Kinison guest stars on a one-hour Married with Children next. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 255, Married with Children, season four, episodes 11 and 12, It's a Bundyful Life, parts one and two. I'm glad you got that out. Always exciting when I get 75% of the way through what was supposed to be the topic of the episode, and I get a text. That we're changing on the fly. <laughs> yeah. We were originally going to do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, something we're not afraid to share, I guess. No, we'll go ahead and put it out there, because okay. I'm sure there's a little bit of disappointment for anyone who's actually pushed play on this episode, rather than <laughs> just looked at it in disgust. But, folks, one two-hour-plus episode after another, and... I was going to have like barely any time to try to prepare for a movie that I think deserved a little bit more than a rushed prep time. It's not really Christmas themed anyway, so yeah. I figured, you know, it's a good time to call an audible. This episode will be shorter probably. Quick, dirty, fun. Yeah, this is going to be a quick episode. It might be one of our shortest in a while. Maybe not. It's hard to tell, but it's definitely not going to be as long as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest should be. Yeah, well, listen, I'm not afraid to admit this i think we'll have some fun with the episode but when you texted me this i was just like okay great i'm in i've watched maybe zero full episodes of <laughs> <laughs> married with children in my life i certainly remember the show being on i think i remember my mom strongly encouraging me not to watch it oh yeah you know I, don't, I, mean? I definitely don't think i was watching this as a kid this was one of those ones in the household it was frowned upon this was in the trashy days of fox where yeah, fox yeah. was like the trashy network and this was the peak of it for right. sure <laughs> it certainly wasn't like beavis and butthead level of like steer clear of but it was definitely like <laughs> it, which is weird because i think it's way worse yeah i know but Beavis and Butthead just had that media coverage that was... It was like, because it was a cartoon. Yeah, It yeah. just was insidious, I guess. But, right. like, this show is insane. Absolutely. This episode is nuts. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I knew the main family. Obviously, I know, like, the actors that are on it and stuff. But I, there's characters that pop up that you get the sense that they're regular characters. I know Sam Kinison isn't one of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know he wasn't a regular. But, like, as far as I know, Sam Kinison's on the show all the time. No, but I mean, like, even Marcy. Marcy was on the entire show. That's yeah. a, right. I, I got that sense that she's a regular character. Don't really know anything Amanda about Amanda Beers, her. she's from Fright uh, Night. Yes. And 
I did recognize her from Fraternity Vacation. Yeah. I had a Zach moment watching it. I was like, is that the girlfriend from Fright Night? And I Wikipedia'd it. And I was like, whoa. Yes. So, yeah, that's where we're at. It's a special Christmas-themed episode. Instead of dumping the whole thing all together, we moved off of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We're going to do this as sort of a goofy, dirty, fun thing. Quick. Quick <laughs> yep. and easy. That's right. We will do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest sometime next year. I don't know when. Might be a whole year from now. Who knows? But we will do it in 2022, hopefully. It does seem like a, a cold weather movie for some reason, even though it's not really winter. Maybe like a fall movie. I don't know. I don't know why I picked it for Christmas. It just was well, he does one that we wanted to get to. A beanie in it. <laughs> yeah, very Christmassy. That's good enough. So anyway, we'll do this one. We'll see how it goes. I know that the TV episodes aren't super popular all the time, but we haven't done one in a while, so it's a bonus um, Christmas treat in between massive two-hour-plus episodes. Right, where we feel like we need to bring it for a movie like Blade Runner 2049 or Heat. I think this is something where we can really just let our hair down, have some fun with it. We'll see how it goes. Follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Let us know on Twitter if you'd like a sticker or have a ah, shit. listener request. I totally was going to bring stickers over this time for real. <laughs> I've moved on with All my right. life. Yeah. As I mentioned in the last episode, we are reopening listener requests for everyone, even if you've already sent one in before. So go ahead and feel free. Just know that we're going to limit how many we do at a time. So it'll probably be at most one per month next year. Probably less because I'm not really expecting to get that many. Just so everyone's on the same page with the listener requests, you can send them in at Greatest Pod. And you can also find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. I think I have like 97 movies left to hit my 365 for the year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're going to make it. <laughs> I'm losing faith that you're going to make it. A few days off coming up. We'll see how it goes. I really pulled the rug out from under you with this Married with Children because you were all ready to log. Oh, I know. The cuckoo's nest. Well, That's you should just finish it and count it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. It's two episodes that I think originally re- ran as one on December 16th, 1989. Right. And it, it is an hour of absurdity. <laughs> just, I was howling laughing at yeah. this. And you almost feel guilty because it's just so bad. It's so misogynistic, so terrible. Never ceases to amaze me. We talk about it all the time. We talk about how things were just different. But there is no level of prep that you can do for just going back to these time periods and the way things were and the content that was allowed to be put on TV. And you're really shocked still. Yeah. I never thought we would get to a point where we would start going in the other direction. And I know we've beat this point to death endlessly but i think back to the late 90s and how crazy things got and we talked about that a lot with the woodstock 99 give us a second episode but i guess you there was nowhere left to go unless we wanted to start putting just unedited violence and straight pornography on regular tv which was not going to happen so we had to go the other direction because you do go back to some of this stuff whether it's in film or television and your mind is blown the standards were seemingly so much looser than they are now you could get away with so much more and that just did not seem like that would ever happen like we would go backwards right but that's essentially where we're at you were pointing this out though and we kind of touched on a little bit but even for the time period this was 
oh for sure considered on the bad side of the line yeah there were definitely a lot of shows like that fox ran some of them i think even something as tame as the simpsons sometimes got that kind of shit sure because there was definitely still a a moral part of the country pushing against it this almost seems like it probably would have fit better into the late 90s because this started in well the... it ran till like 1997 <laughs> it's well, one of the longest running shows right. in fox but history it, it started in the late 80s right and carried yeah. into the 90s it ran from april 5th 1987 through june 9th 1997 wow yeah i would actually run yeah i wouldn't have thought that i would have thought this was a show that had that i don't know did like four or five years you know it's actually one of those things that benefited from the Streisand effect, which is when more attention is drawn to something by the complaint. Right. And so then the ratings actually went up when this became the center of a controversy. So in other words, the controversy ended up with more people watching it yeah. rather than getting it taken off the air or anything like that. That's right. This episode, which I think originally ran as one, but we're doing it technically is two because that's how it is on hulu so we're doing the hulu versions that probably ran in syndication we'll talk about that a little bit more later there may have been an alternate cut we don't know (laughs) we're not married with children historians not at all this may be the only time i've ever seen full episodes it was directed by gary cohen written by michael g moy and ron levette okay household names I think those two were the creators, and that Ron Levitt or Levitt guy also created Unhappily Ever After, which was basically a Married with Children ripoff show. That's right. I remember that coming Nikki out. Cox. And yes, and even not really, I don't know, being at a time in my life where you'd be able to pick up on those things, it was that obvious to even me. You know? Yeah, like, it was it, basically the same you show. You could just tell. It, it felt like some weird continuation of it. This guy definitely had a hang-up about hating his wife and family. <laughs> he couldn't move past well, it. Well, dude, that was crossing my mind. But even though this was an extreme version of it, that was just like the sitcom thing, though, too. It's like the beat-down guy trying to support this well, super I don't hot think, wife. Well, I don't think when this show started, because this show was parodying yeah. families like the Cosby family, like okay, the super right. happy. Yeah. This was going in that stand-up comedy thing of like, oh, I hate my wife. Yeah. Like boomer humor type stuff. <laughs> that did become the thing. I mean, obviously, like, everybody loves Raymond, but the guy just- <laughs> Yeah, like, but even on those shows, it doesn't compare to this. No, no, this no. but insane. Right, absolutely. Obviously, this is like its whole own level and tone and everything that's different, but that did become the thing where a guy trying to support this family and always having like he a, resents. a smoking hot wife- he wants to kill. That's right, yeah. And how does one live with the stress of that? And I do think that that shaped my life to some degree. And if pressed, I would say maybe yours too. I think we both have gone through life being like, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want this right. stress I, level. I saw a couple episodes of Married with Children and I made up my mind about the rest of my life. <laughs> it's subconscious. Although I will say that much like Pee Wee Herman and Dottie, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. The fact that Peg, who is like a total fox, right. wants to fuck nonstop, and Al just has oh, I know. wants nothing to do with it. it it's endlessly funny <laughs> to me. That is hilarious, yeah. Those are my favorite parts in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, is like Dottie being all into Pee-wee, That's and right. him just like being, almost like making fun of her yeah. for wanting to date him. And then Al just not wanting anything to do with Peg is so funny. Yeah, this whole dynamic that's introduced basically in the opening scene of the episode, though, where they're like doing this little parody of the one Christmas song. 
partridge in a pear tree. The 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And it ends with her being like one untouched wife or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to divorce you. <laughs> this idea, just this guy being trapped in this relationship but yeah. like, with this smoking hot wife, but that's lazy and won't do anything. It is hilarious. Oh, well, that's going to be a recurring theme for me is that this show is a thousand times funnier than anything that's on now. <laughs> yeah, it's completely inappropriate. It's horrible. It makes you feel guilty almost because it's so sexist and terrible. But that doesn't mean it's not funny because it is funny. I was laughing a lot. The show follows the suburban Chicago lives of Al Bundy, a once glorious high school football player turned hard luck women's shoe salesman. Oof. His lazy wife, Peggy, their beautiful, dumb, and popular daughter, Kelly, and their smart, horny, and unpopular son, Bud. Oof. Their neighbors are the upwardly mobile Steve Rhodes and his wife, Marcy, who later gets remarried to Jefferson Darcy. And we'll talk about that later because that factors into this episode. Marcy Darcy. I'm sure that was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. A white collar criminal who becomes her, quote, trophy husband and Al's sidekick. The series comprises of 259 episodes across 11 seasons, which is completely insane. And there actually is one episode that did not air oh the lost episode and then they they actually aired it in 2002 five years after the show ended it was this controversial episode about a sex tape or something where there were just all these parts and even in america it never ran unedited they still cut four lines out and i read the lines is it like the idea of the sex tape that no it was just certain dialogue that they didn't like i was gonna say there's like sex tape references and like friends As far as Christmas episodes of television go, I think that this one has vaulted to the top for me, right up there with a couple of the American Office Christmas episodes, which were really good, including Benihana Christmas, which also has (laughs) stuff that does not age well, where you're like, holy shit, even like a few years later. I don't know about anything specific for me with TV and Christmas, but I do miss that this was a thing. Network television like television shows that were on that there would be christmas episodes yeah they would also do like christmas specials too right yeah and that was a fun thing to have i'm sure they still do i mean how much regular network television are you watching but that's what i'm saying it's less so part of just the culture though oh yeah i mean people aren't really watching tv shows the way they used to i watched a very brady christmas like a week ago on Hulu. It was from like the late 80s, so obviously well after the Brady yeah. Bunch was over. I remember Always Sunny doing a Christmas special. And it sucked. It was so bad. Not that the Brady Bunch was ever brilliant or anything, but even by Brady Bunch standards, this was embarrassing. <laughs> a stinker. It had no plot. It was like an hour and a half long. Oh, God. <laughs> and they didn't even have Cindy. It was like a different actress playing Cindy. Oh, rough. <laughs> But let's get into it. Please. Married with Children. Our story begins with Al, played by the great Ed O'Neill, who would go on to do all of the seasons of Modern Family as well. Another show that you're a big fan of. Yeah. And he would also have a smoking hot wife. (laughs) That's just sort of his gimmick. That's right. What an unattractive man. Yeah. (laughs) Al returning home to his wife and his kids after a hard day's work. He's out in the driveway. The family's inside, and we can hear him cry out, no, (laughs) because he's so (laughs) depressed at coming home. That's right, yeah. (laughs) 
When he gets inside, he says, I hate Christmas. The mall was full of nothing but women and children. All you hear is, I want this. Get me this. I have to have this. Then there's the children. <laughs> In my limited time with Al, his life does seem like a beatdown. This job, man. Yeah, it's a great start to the episode because even though it's midway through season four, it encapsulates everything about the show. Oh, yeah. As you said, they break into the 12 Days of Christmas parody. You find out everything you need to know yeah. about Kelly and Bud. Did they just beat you over the head with that stuff every episode? Yes. Like the same gimmicks with every character? Yes. Yeah. And it was always great. <laughs> <laughs> they never deviated. They oh, yeah. never got better as people. <laughs> That's for dumb shows. No, no. Yeah, we don't want these arcs. The episode starts out on fire. Al's just going nuts. He talks about having a fight with the mall Santa. Another thing that they would always bring up is how poor they are, and they would mine a lot of humor out of that to the point where they would make jokes about the kids starving. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which they do right off the bat here, which I think is just a a weird topic to even try to make into a comedy. I know things about economics have changed over time. It does seem wild he works in basically like a shoe department store peg doesn't work it does seem like it would be hard living they have a pretty decent house yeah i have thought that their house seems a little big for like the jokes that they're going for where the kids literally have no food (laughs) it's hard to understand why they're living in that house then it's like maybe it's time to downsize a little bit head to the trailer park maybe the big news though that al has for his family is that unlike in previous years when christmas was a huge disappointment without any presents he's actually put aside money in what's called a christmas club setting a little bit out of each paycheck i guess or something throughout the year to be withdrawn at christmas time for christmas presents is that like peg kind of like dismissive of this oh yeah and she's actually 100 percent right because (laughs) a christmas club is stupid yeah yeah a christmas club is a special purpose savings account first offered by various banks and credit unions in the U.S. beginning in the early 20th century, including the Great Depression, under which bank customers deposit a set amount of money each week into a savings account and receive the money back at the end of the year for Christmas shopping. However, the key drawbacks of a Christmas club account included low interest rates and a high number of restrictions, such as not allowing withdrawals unless fees were paid. Christmas clubs later fell out of favor with consumers. I think it was just a gimmick. Yeah, really. And people would fall for it because you would get a higher a interest scam. rate in a regular yeah. account. They make more money off the fees than what you put in. Basically, yeah. There's some talk of their annual Christmas feast at Denny's. I was loving that. <laughs> if anything like felt slightly relatable, not that my family ever did that, but it feels like that could have been on the table for my family. <laughs> Denny's as our Christmas dinner could have happened at some point in our lives. I was never a big Denny's guy, although I always expected to get into it later in life. It just hasn't ever happened. Well, I think it's regional because in Pittsburgh, Eaton Park has like a dominant presence. Yeah, there's only a couple of Denny's around and there's tons of Eaton Park. Right. If it's a consumer choice, people are picking Eaton Park around here. They had those great Christmas commercials years ago. (laughs) They've really integrated themselves in the culture regionally here but denny's i think it would grow on you yeah i think i had a bad experience when i was younger and i just never was able to to bring it back yeah maybe we'll do like a fan meet up there or something at a denny's (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh boy, the jokes are really coming out now because we know no one's listening to this garbage. <laughs> this might be the worst episode we've ever done already. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, I didn't want to let everyone down and just not have an episode. Yeah, I think it's fair. I wanted to stick with it. This is good. You got the notes. We'll get through it. Yeah, if you have Hulu, you should check out these episodes of TV. <laughs> Although, you probably have premium or something. Were you having to watch this with commercials? No. Okay, that's kind of rough. <laughs> I know it's as if you're watching it on TV, but you you get used to watch. Well, do the commercials things. come in in the preset? They do. Act breaks. They do, and it's like two minutes of commercials though Oof. every time. Yeah, it's not a you five can't second. Pay the extra three dollars for premium. Uh, well, I, I probably could. I'm it's, considering it now. It's not that much. <laughs> I guess it depends on how much you use Hulu. It's not in my top rotation, I, although. When Seinfeld was on Hulu, that's when I was like, I have to upgrade. I'm I can't not, do this. I'm not afraid to admit this to you because I think you're in the same boat as me, but it's actually probably embarrassing the amount of streaming services I have at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like almost all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I me think too. Hulu's not in my top five in terms of usage right now. It's probably in my top five. Okay. Yeah. I guess it just depends if you find a show. Like I said, when I was going through Seinfeld before it was on Netflix. Yeah. There was no way. I, I couldn't do it. I, I needed those commercials out of there. That was rough. Yeah. So that's basically why I did it. Okay. I'm sure we got to move on. That's <laughs> enough of that. The yeah, long and short of it notes. is that Al promises his family a wonderful Christmas thanks to the money he's been putting aside in this Christmas Club account. Surely nothing could go wrong. <laughs> This year, we're getting presents. <laughs> I assume that this is a theme on the show, him making a plan and it falling through. Uh, yeah, I think that would happen a fair amount. Yeah. Sometimes the focal point would be something that Kelly did or something that Bud did or something that Peg did. It would it would switch, but yeah, sure. I mean, mostly Al. Right. As Al tells Peg, Christmas is not the time for regrets. That's what anniversaries are for. <laughs> <laughs> Steve and Marcy Rhodes stop over. The neighbors from next door, played by David Garrison and Amanda Bierce. That's uh, another great thing about sitcoms is the amount of neighbors just popping in. I got to tell you, all the times I've been at your apartment, never one pop in from a neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the Newman of this building. People steer clear. That's right, yeah. Steve is going to be leaving for Christmas. He has some sort of a weird relationship with his mother that they goof on. And mother-in-law, really. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. Coming in the shower. Yeah. (laughs) That joke kind of took me by surprise. Steve actually reminds me of somebody that you and I used to work for. Oh. That we were just talking about that got fired recently. All right. Yeah. In terms of appearance. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Steve is sort of a loser on the show. I kind of get why they replace him. It's interesting that they kept Marcy, though. I don't know. Listen, only having like an isolated view into it it's weird to have an opinion on but they seem like strange characters to have as regulars on the show yeah that's what i was sort of getting towards yeah i'm not a hundred percent sure of what their intended roles were i guess that gets more and more defined as this show just goes on and on forever but in the beginning it's hard to tell like if they're supposed to be superior to the bundies or inferior in terms of like a hierarchy on a sitcom Well, based on the description you read, I was taking it as superior. Yeah, but the way that they treat Marcy in this opening is very funny. You're right, and it's like a beatdown on her. Yeah. Marcy happens to work at the bank, 
A lot of roasting going on, I'd say. And she's upset that she's going to have to go stag to the Christmas party since Steve is leaving. And boy, what a wild scene that Christmas party is. I'll, I'll wait till we get there, but... Yeah. Oh, God, shit. yeah. I know. <laughs> Peg, just so brutal to Marcy whenever Marcy's depressed about this Christmas party thing. She's like, do you know how many people with lives a lot better than hers commit suicide every year? <laughs> And then she's running through that hypothetical of like what Marcy should do at the party. That was an insane scene. Everything was like grabbing me. Everything was like yeah. so good. I was like, I can't get through this episode. I'm writing everything they're saying down because What's it's so funny. The actress's name, like Katie Seagal. Yeah. You, yeah. She was like cranking it up to like a 10 in that scene. Yeah. Katie Seagal is great yeah. on Married with Children. She's so funny and so game for all this stuff. Really? Like these episodes are so nuts usually have her putting up with misogynistic bullshit from al like al's just the worst to her treats everybody terribly but she's just so funny yeah although i gotta say in these two episodes al definitely seems like way more beat down more of the time than oh yeah that's part of it too yeah there's i mean i know there's a general misogynistic tone to the show but he just i I mean it seems like he's completely overwhelmed with this life she says now i'll tell you what you should do You should go to that party without Steve, get wild, get crazy, pretend you're single again, dance on the tabletops, chase after men, rub your red hair up and down their chest like a feather duster, and then reach out, and then she like is reaching towards a crotch type movement, and say, I'm married and go home, like I would, as she backs down. (laughs) The funny part of this, beyond her just acting this all out, realizing what she's saying and then backing off. Marcy doesn't have red hair either. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's a lot riding on picking up this money and getting the presents. So we know that in the sitcom world, something's probably going to go awry, especially with this show. I don't think anyone's expecting yeah. Al to get this money, get presents, and for everything to be great. Not it just wouldn't be good. To turn this into a whole like generalization on the formulas of sitcoms and, I guess, comedies of this type. But it is shocking just how many jokes have to be squeezed into an episode. It's almost like if you go two lines without there being a joke, it feels weird. Yeah, I do think that this is from an era, though, where it feels a little bit more seamless than how shows would eventually become, which was set up punch, set up punch. Right, right. And you could see the jokes coming. That's true. A lot of this stuff was catching me off guard. Yeah. Maybe because it was with so shocking. Shock value. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even come up with dirtier versions. <laughs> <laughs> Which is saying something. A lot of the stuff you could just never imagine being on TV now. Even Peg reaching out in what is like clearly a gesture of grabbing a man's crotch is what she's miming. Seems very blue for TV. It does. Because it's not any mystery what she's acting out. No. Later that night, Peg tries to seduce Al dressed up like a gift to be unwrapped. And this was another holy shit line. I know that I'm just quoting this, and I don't care, because this is a special Christmas episode. (laughs) But when Al dropped this bombshell, I was like, holy fuck. (laughs) Oh, Peg, how do you expect me to get excited when you just rewrap the same old junk I didn't play with the year before? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that made me laugh out loud, too, because I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I gotta say, I mean, she looks, she always looks good, but this little number 
with the the bow and yeah, everything. Yeah. Right. Which I couldn't tell if that was just part of the outfit, but then she's just wearing the outfit without the bow in the next scene. Yeah, I think she just put a bow on herself. Yeah. She looked good, though. I don't know. She always does, yeah, which is part of the joke. Right. I think. Yes, I'd say so. Obviously, a lot of people are stick in the muds about this kind of humor, and I get it. This is inappropriate shit. It's from another era. I don't think we're necessarily looking back at Married with Children fondly and being Or being like, like, revive it. Yeah, please do this kind of stuff on TV now. I mean, the same type of jokes are reused. It's just a much more watered-down version, I'd say. A little bit, but I mean, you're only coming from the perspective of this episode, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. The Sam Kinison stuff about his ex-wife is some of the most shocking lines of dialogue I think I've ever heard (laughs) on a sitcom. I was like gasping. (laughs) Yeah, although for Sam Kinison, it's just par for the course. Yeah, Sam Kinison is the best. (laughs) Just the best. I liked their little bit of the bank book standing in for sex. When she's begging to just look at it, and then he shows it to her, and then she's acting like they just fucked it. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, you were great. And she wants to cuddle. But then Al's B.O. is so terrible that she has to run away. (laughs) Yeah, that part seemed relatable. They definitely definitely weren't above the low-hanging fruit of a B.O. joke. Absolutely. Of course, Bud and Kelly, played by David Faustino and... Christina Applegate, in case you didn't know, this is where Christina Applegate basically got her start. They each try to butter up their father as well. and in hopes Butter of, up. I guess more like make them seem better than the other, really. Basically, they both pull the same move, which is the other one doesn't love you. Well, <laughs> their hopes are securing a larger cut of the Christmas loot for their own gifts. Bud does claim that Kelly doesn't love her father, but then Kelly comes in and to say that she's dying. That is part of her. But she does throw in, and also Bud doesn't love you. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. She's got, quote, Bulgaria. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor says it's, quote, terminus. <laughs> it's so stupid. I know. It really is. And then their mom has to come in and break it up and say, Daddy's not stupid enough to believe you really love him. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. Yeah, it's unbelievable. When I first moved into this apartment, the one we're recording in right now, okay. I didn't have like any furniture, and I just had the TV set up. Not this TV, my old TV. But I had my internet, so I had Hulu and stuff. I remember just like laying on the floor <laughs> watching Married with Children for the first time, basically, from the beginning. Just watching like every episode, and a few other like really dumbass shows, a lot of which I didn't stick with. Mama's I didn't make house. it. What's that? Mama's House. It's not called Mama's House. It's Mama's Family. Mama's and I did, family. Those are on DVDs, and I treasure those and pull them out all the time. If you can't tell by me always getting the name of it wrong, I had never heard of that show until you were just watching it one day. Not even close to being on my radar. It was straight to syndication for most of its run. It was from a different time. Now that is hick humor. Yeah. <laughs> a so much lighter it. tone, though. This time, no furniture, watching... Married with Children. Major Dad. A Time Remember that show? Back on Fondly. No, not really. <laughs> but every episode of Married with Children was a treat. Yeah. There's just so many. I couldn't even get through like half of the, the show's run, though. I eventually lost interest. That's the thing. Just so many episodes. 259 is crazy. Yeah. 
I couldn't even make it through Cheers on Netflix. I had to drop off at a certain point. It just keeps going and going and going and going. I cannot believe how many episodes of television that shows used to do. It's just absolutely insane. I know it was just a different time. There was just nothing else. Yeah. People didn't have anything else to do. (laughs) And I guess shows were just always getting like new viewers. They could be in their sixth season and they'd get a bunch of new viewers. How can people watch a show from the beginning and still keep it going all the way to the end for something like that? Yeah, especially since a lot of the times these shows don't maintain the quality. Yeah. I can't really speak to the later seasons of Married with Children, but I can't imagine they're great. But I I don't know. One of the jokes to illustrate how poor they are and how they don't have food is that the kids are eating toaster shakens. Okay. Where they take the toaster and shake out what's in there to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've done. I might be wrong, but I feel like is a joke they did in another episode too, but maybe I'm just thinking of this episode. But I swear that was something that was like recurring almost. All right. (laughs) Peg comes downstairs in a very revealing negligee. See, I thought this was the outfit minus the bow. Maybe. Okay, yeah. It is wild though. Can you imagine this is your mom? (laughs) No, I can't. (laughs) Peg Kelly and Bud plan to give Al things he already owns when they realize that perhaps they should get him gifts in return for the gifts they're expecting. Almost reluctantly, though. Yeah. As Peg points out, it kind of takes some of the fun out of it when you realize you have to get a gift for someone else. (laughs) And I agree. I do enjoy their conversation about what their gifts should be for Al, though. I'm going to get him something he's never used. His toothbrush. <laughs> I like a, I'm going to give him the winter jacket that the dog's been sleeping on. <laughs> it's 2.30, and Al needs to get to the bank from his shoe store by 3 o'clock. Unfortunately, some late customers, some very elderly women, hold him up. I will say, cell phones have ruined a lot of things. Like, cell phones and internet have ruined a lot of things. I think... Almost every plot of a sitcom TV show ruined by. uh, Yeah. But thank the Lord for where we've come with technology and how much easier everything is now. Imagine just constantly having to try to run to these places by these times to get anything done. Well, can you withdraw money from an account with your cell phone? No, but you can do a lot of financial transactions without physical cash or, or going to... Well, what the fuck is Peg doing? Can't she get off her ass and get this money? No, out? I mean, that's part of the Peg gimmick is she's lazy. <laughs> well, she's basically worthless. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't really do anything to contribute to the family. Well, just a weird dynamic because obviously, yes, my parents would buy each other gifts on Christmas. But as far as like gifts for the kids, it felt like a team effort. Like there was some coordination working together knowing what they're getting oh, it yeah. wasn't like right. w- just my dad or just my mom yeah, you know yeah. what i mean the fact that they're a married couple and he has to just do everything by himself peg is just like another one of the kids essentially yeah yeah <laughs> which i guess would also probably prove problematic to modern interpretations sure. of this show sure would al arrives at marcy's bank at 255 But the Christmas party is already in full effect, and the door is locked. It's an insane party. I'd say so. A woman dancing on one of the tables. Yeah. There's the elderly couple, the man chasing the elderly woman with the mistletoe. 
Yeah. There's a man who has picked up a woman over his shoulder and is carrying her to the back. And once we get a look at what Marcy's got going on. Marcy's sitting on the copy machine, Xeroxing her butt. <laughs> I like Marcy. She seems like a fun time. It reminded me of that scene from Scrooged. Is yeah. this something that used to happen at holiday parties? You know what? I do think that holiday parties, and there's a reason why a lot of companies don't do them anymore. It would get nuts. Yeah, I think so. Even like my first job, it wasn't like McDonald's or something. It was in like in an office building, and I started, and they're like, "Oh, last year was the last year we're ever doing the holiday party," <laughs> because of like all, and there were all these like stories and you know, yeah. married people who found themselves in situations that probably their spouses wouldn't be too happy about. I just rewatched Office Christmas Party. It's a movie that a lot of people don't like. It doesn't really have a high score on Letterboxd. It's that movie with Jason Bateman. And right, I remember it. Jennifer Aniston and what's that dude's name that got into a lot of trouble? How many movies did Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston do together? Several. Yeah. But even though the movie kind of sucks, I do like it in a weird way. There's some funny parts in it. But I, yeah, even in that, they're trying to that's photocopy right. their butts and boobs and stuff. Every time I'm in an office and I walk by a photocopy machine, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Yeah. Obviously, as soon as people get a little drink in them, that's what they want to do. <laughs> Except they take it a, even further in that movie because they have a 3D printer. Bare ass on this copy machine. They have a 3D printer, and there's a scene of a guy 3D printering his dick. Well, that's kind of funny because they're kind of like one-upping the what was always like the going gimmick. But Al can't get in. I do love that shot of Al's face against the glass. Ed O'Neill does do some great faces. Some yeah. great facial work throughout Married with Children. Definitely a facial actor, I would say. The weird thing is his character in Modern Family doesn't seem that different in some ways. I would agree. In the brief episodes I've seen of that with you. He's not as bad. Yeah. But he's a grump. There's definitely some similarities. I feel like he was cast in that role intentionally. Marcy is about to let Al inside, but she has another drink and passes out instead. The security guard closes the gate. He's just not allowed in. He's not getting the money. Dejected, Al returns to the shoe store because the bank was only open till 3, but apparently he has to work even later at the shoe store, which is really depressing. Yeah, just a bummer. This is a weird little interlude in this story when he tries this money-making scheme. I know. I bet he missed the window, too, for the Christmas Club thing. So now, if he tries to take the money out after, he is going to get hit with the fees yeah maybe i don't know how it worked <laughs> yeah this is like such a weird detour and it kind of wraps up very quickly he doesn't know what to do christmas is ruined however inspiration strikes when a young mother stops in the store with her unruly son and she wishes she had somewhere to dump him <laughs> off for an hour so she could shop in peace so that little boy sponge from salute your shorts wow you know what i can see it clear as day now but it didn't I recognized him right away. Yeah, yeah. No, now I'm like, that's so obvious. But it, no, I didn't get that one. So it cuts to a sign that says Uncle Al's Christmas Tot Lounge. You leave him, we love him. Which is basically like a pedophile invitation. I can't believe anyone would leave their kids with this man. Bizarre. He's got all the kids tied up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kids are tied up with Christmas garland. And he's counting cash. The kid's... Sort of are rolling with it, though. They just want to hear a story. And he launches into his parody of, Twas the Night Before Christmas. That's right, yeah. 
was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, no food was a-stirring, not even a mouse. <laughs> Stockings were hung round Dad's neck like a tie, <laughs> along with a note that said, presents or die. <laughs> Children were plotting all night in their beds, while the wife's constant whining was splitting his head. <laughs> but Daddy had money this year in the bank. Then they closed up early. Now Dad's in the tank. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Santa appeared. A sneer on his face, and booze in his beard. <laughs> Santa, I said as he laughed merrily, you do so much for others. Do something for me. Bundy, he said, you only sell shoes. Your son is a sneak thief. Your daughter's a flues. <laughs> ho, ho, Santa said, should I mention your wife? Her hair's like an A-bomb. Her nail's like a knife. <laughs> and he climbs up the chimney, that fat piece of dung. <laughs> he mooned me two times. He stuck out his tongue. <laughs> and I heard him exclaim as he broke wind with glee. <laughs> You're married with children. You'll never be free. I was feeling a little bit strange about where this was all heading, knowing it's a two-part episode, but I'm like, it's a bunderful life. What is it? Bundyful life. Bundyful life. I'm thinking that it's going to be a It's a Wonderful Life parody to some degree at some point, and not yet. No, it takes approaching well. the end of the first half. Well, they have to set up the story of why he would wish not to be born. That's true, yes. So that's why they needed the full hour on Fox to tell this story. That's right. It feels like his whole life up to now was enough of an explanation. <laughs> yeah, they probably could have, but yeah, yeah, they were given the opportunity. After he does his Night Before Christmas story about his family, he also asks the kids if they want to hear about the red-headed Grinch that stole Uncle Al's life. <laughs> <laughs> that also that made me laugh. Oof. Yeah, I know. Like, there's definitely been a, a pushback or a backlash against quote unquote boomer humor of like, oh, I hate my wife. And that's like the whole joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was definitely. Although that idea is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely like done to death and it yeah, became yeah. like a, you know, that, a parody that's the thing. of itself. That's what's funny about it now. The fact that it was such a thing. Yeah. That's what's funny. Yeah, I think that it's weird because clearly Married with Children was parodying like the wholesome family sitcoms of the 80s. Right, right. Family Ties, yeah. stuff like that, Cosby's, whatever. But in retrospect, you can almost appreciate it in a different way because it's like satirical of a certain form of masculinity. Sure. The world of Andrew Dice Clay or even a Sam Kinison to a certain extent, although he was like not really in the same league as Andrew Dice Clay when it came to that kind of stuff. Like misogyny. True, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? That was definitely like, reaching a peak in the 80s the later part of the 80s into the 90s a little bit so looking back at it now it almost seems like a satire of that even though i don't know that's necessarily what they were thinking it works yeah a funny joke is a funny joke <laughs> <laughs> we're probably gonna lose listeners over talking about know. how funny I, this is yeah i mean i know it seems so dumb but well we got away with the stoned age that's true which is <laughs> pretty lowbrow <laughs> When the mothers return and see what Al has done to their kids, they tie him up instead and take all the money back so he's no better off than he was before. And that's where it ends on Hulu to be picked up. A to-be-continued comes up. 
And I'm like, oh, shit. Not commercials, not commercials. As mentioned, yeah. I'm pretty sure this all ran as one. Picking the story back up, we're back at the house. The rest of the family is eagerly anticipating Al's arrival with the presents. And Kelly makes an entrance coming down the stairs in a crop top skirt combo. And the audience reaction is bananas. To hoot and holler, as, as they say. I actually got nervous because I know that Christina Applegate was under 18 when the show started. And I was like, holy shit, is, how old is she even in this episode? And I looked it up. And I'm pretty sure she was barely over 18. You were immediately relieved. <laughs> yeah, because of the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were worried for them. Yeah, retroactively. I feel like, do you guys not know how inappropriate this is? It was still pretty inappropriate, <laughs> no matter how old she is. It is insane that they like parade her around in this outfit. Well, yeah, that was one of the gimmicks. Right, right. After a certain point, they were like, yeah, well, Christina Applegate's really hot, so we're going to have her... I mean, wear skimpy clothes. Imagine you're at a Denny's and you see anyone come in wearing <laughs> this outfit. I just can't imagine that ever happening. Yeah. But there would probably be some people at the Denny's doing this level of hooting and hollering if this happened. It's like when we did the Wish Upon a Star episode and That's right. the construction guys with Katherine Heigl. Yeah. How do you construction guys feel about that now? <laughs> You fictional characters. The joke of the outfit, though, is that Peg says that she wore it to their grandma's funeral. <laughs> yeah. And it got them a discount on the embalming. Then they make snow cones with mouthwash and cough syrup. The idea of this joke is kind of funny, but the playing out of it is disgusting. Yeah, it's actually almost too depressing. Right. Because, yeah, it just seems horrible. The fact that they would actually be excited about this... There's kind of like a Trailer Park Boys element to this show a little bit with some of the things that they do. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was an influence. Yeah, yeah. But if you did take the time to explore the show more, which I doubt you'll ever do. <laughs> it's not on my short list. par for the course, yeah, this okay. type of joke. Oh, right. Al arrives home and it doesn't take long for the others to realize that something's up. Well, they basically bombard him at the door with like, where's our presence? <laughs> gimme, 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 gimme. Kelly says, I think something's rotten in the state of Denver, Mom. <laughs> Which is something that always happens in movies and TVs with dumb characters where they're attempting to make references or quotes to things that I don't think most dumb people would actually do in real life. I would agree. I just don't understand why she would even attempt to quote a Shakespeare line. It doesn't really make any sense. Right. But okay, whatever. Cheap laugh. And not that famous of a phrase, I, I I don't think, that like you would hear enough people say it that then you try to incorporate it, but not enough people have said it that you can still get it wrong. I don't know. I don't know if that phrase fits into that very specific category. Right in the state of Denmark? I don't know. Yeah. Probably wouldn't be in her world. Maybe not. Probably not. Eventually, Al has to come clean about not getting to the bank on time, not withdrawing the money, and thus not getting any gifts for anyone. And it is weird. It's a weird show. The whole show is weird, not just this episode. Because Was that not clear? They really take what are tragic-seeming events in people's yeah. lives, very sad, depressing things, and try to make them funny. The whole idea of making snow cones out of cough syrup or Although, to be fair, not getting gifts for Christmas. Kind of similar to the theme of this show. <laughs> or our lives, yeah, really. Right. Maybe that's why we're relating to it so much. But yeah, it's... 
it's a depressing thing. Yes, the kids are a little older. They can maybe cope with it and understand it. So it's not like little kids not getting gifts on Christmas that they thought they were getting or something like that. But it's still essentially a sad idea. It is. Peg and the kids go to Denny's for their annual Christmas feast, purposefully excluding their downtrodden father, who thought that he would be able to come still. But no. (laughs) (laughs) Cut from the team. Even though it's basically Christmas at this point, Al tries to put up some Christmas lights on the house. Although he actually does make a joke that they've been up all year and that he's just trying to turn them on for the first time. We're finally getting to why the title makes sense and we have our It's a Wonderful Life tie-in. Marcy shows back up. She's completely drunk. She doesn't know who she is or where she lives. This is some holiday party. Yeah, she's making a reference to a woman who's going to be so embarrassed when she realizes she was Xeroxing her behind. Yeah, that made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to be so humiliated when she comes in on Monday. (laughs) Yeah, but really, how humiliated do you think Marcy was? Well, again, you're trying to act like you know the characters. I know, I I think she would be. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) she would be i'd say she's not this person this is why it's no i know right i get that i don't know it's one of those things where how many people at the office party remember that she was well i'm sure they're gonna hang on to those (laughs) they're hanging up around the office (laughs) when she comes in on monday of course the christmas lights don't work and this prompts al to say sometimes i think it might have been better if i was never born that pretty much happens to me anytime I try to do any sort of manual labor. Al accidentally electrocutes himself with the lights. We cut to commercials, basically. Only for him to be awakened by his guardian angel in the form of the legendary Sam Kinison. How familiar are you with Sam Kinison's work? I'm very familiar with the person existing. I remember seeing things... I, do you remember like stand-up comedy like in the 90s well, and the 80s too, but I wasn't really alive as much during the 80s. But I remember the way that it looked and was on TV was very specific. Uh-huh. There was a very specific look to it. And I remember seeing Sam Kinison stuff. Um, a lot of screaming. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of yelling. But for some reason, I always remember like a lot of black backgrounds. Uh-huh. Was there a stool in the mix? Yeah, definitely a stool. Just, like, pacing like a tiger. Yeah. So I I definitely remember just, like, seeing that stuff, and I knew who he was. And then years go by, and you don't really hear the name. And then he's kind of, like, talked about as this comedy legend. You're like, oh, yeah, that was the guy that was always kind of just, like, screaming. Sam Kinison was an American stand-up comedian and actor, a former Pentecostal preacher. He performed stand-up routines that were characterized by intense, sudden tirades punctuated with his distinctive scream. Similar to charismatic preachers, initially performing for free, Kennison became a regular fixture at the comedy store where he met and eventually befriended such comics as Robin Williams and Jim Carrey. I remember one specific Kennison appearance on In Living Color, which was very funny. Kennison's comedy was crass, observational humor, especially towards women and dating, and his popularity grew quickly, earning him appearances on Letterman and Saturday Night Live. He appeared in movies, too, especially with Dangerfield. He was in, like, Back to School Oh right, as one of the teachers. I can vaguely remember that. I think he died in a car accident probably, like, three years after this episode. That's right. Like, early 90s. Tragically. It definitely takes some convincing on the Angel's part to make Al believe, so he has to 
make the lights work at Al's request. When Al realizes that he could have used his wish for anything else, he regrets it. <laughs> I actually was Googling, what are the hee-haw girls? Because he's like, could you make the hee-haw girls come or something? Is it made up for the show? No. There was a show called Hee-haw. And I then see. I think there was something called the Hee-haw Honeys or something. All right. That's what I was finding when I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> now one of your future wishes. <laughs> I know you think you got it tough. Your wife doesn't respect you. Your kids think you're a failure. A good day for you is when you don't come across any new foot diseases. Believe me, <laughs> I sympathize. But you think your life reeks? Take a whiff of mine, pal. My wife gained 100 pounds for every year we were married. <laughs> we had two kids, I think. She ate them, I don't know. <laughs> I hated driving home so much I had vanity plates written up that said, hit me. <laughs> but despite it all, she loved me. You know how I know? Because she told me! Oh, yeah, when I was at work, she loved my father, my brother, my bookie. But when I found my grandfather's teeth in my bed, under the pillow, then I knew there was trouble in paradise. <laughs> That's what I did what any other man would do, Bundy. I canceled my insurance and I hung myself. Showed her, huh? <laughs> And you're here to help me. Huh? That I am, my man. See, if I help you, I get my wings. And that means a lot up there, especially with the chicks. If I get my wings, I get to pick up on the girls who died young. It's really almost impossible to describe these scenes with Kennison. They're so insane. He goes on these tirades about his former life before he died. Yeah, some dark humor there, I'd say. About his ex-wife, about his ex-wife cheating on him with... Everyone? His Every bro- relative? His brother, yeah. his father, his grandfather. <laughs> it was, his grandfather was the one that pushed it over the edge. When he's like, she gained 100 pounds for every year we were married. We had a couple of kids. I don't know. I think she ate <laughs> <laughs> This is Al Bundy's guardian angel. Yeah, Al even says... And you're here to help me. <laughs> just the dumbest voice. Really? Yeah, I don't really know what to say. Folks, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This gets even worse <laughs> with Kenneth. Like right. the shit he's saying. Obviously, it's a fictional character. We never see his ex-wife, but it's horrible. Yeah. And this is the It's a Wonderful Life parallel because in order for the angel to get his wings, he's got to yeah. make Al appreciate his life and not want to never be born so obviously you knew about this you've seen this episode before this was sort of a big surprise to have sam kinnison show up on a sitcom yeah for you or for for me people yeah i don't know how other people reacted but for me it was (laughs) yeah i had heard about this episode on a podcast before i actually tracked it down right and watched it and i've probably watched these part one and part two like three or four times now and it was like the first time i saw clerks yeah yeah where the kid at school told me lines from it and i couldn't believe that this was a movie <laughs> and so hearing about this episode and some of the stuff that sam kinnison says i was like i cannot believe this was on tv and I, I gotta say i don't know this it feels like sam kinnison had some free reign here it seems like he's gotta be going off script for some of this stuff he's got a lot of lines yeah, it seems like he has a few things he's supposed to get across, but yeah, yeah. he can sort of freestyle it how a little he wants. bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, the stuff about the ex-wife is so like specifically weird right. that it's hard to imagine a writer's room being like, this is what he's going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so since Al wondered aloud what it would be like if he had never been born, the angel decides to show him. They step into his old house. The inside of the Bundy home is filled with Christmas decorations and presents, so right away you know something is different and wrong. <laughs> Peggy has completely transformed into a wonderful mother and housewife, cooking dinner with an apron on and her hair done up. Just a different world. It's the bizarre, audience Peg. is apoplectic when they see her in this getup. <laughs> they cannot believe it. <laughs> of course, she can't hear or see Al, as are usually the rules in these cases. When Al expresses shock that she's cooking and he says, she told me she was allergic to fire. His angel says, gee, that's weird. I guess when I died, women started lying, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And rolls his eyes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bud has become a well-spoken, well-dressed ladies' man and a genius. Kelly is no longer promiscuous, dressing conservatively, and much like her brother, is an exceptional student now attending college. A lot of talk about her saving herself for marriage. Yeah. She refers to her brother as Budrick. (laughs) I was like, is that what Bud is short for? Man, if that was your name, that would be great. As you alluded to, Kelly's saving herself to marriage, which her mother fully supports and claims to have done as well. And Al's reaction to Peg saying that she saved herself for marriage is one of the all-time moments in anything ever. This was definitely my hardest laugh (laughs) of the two episodes. Oh, come on. The football team retired her jersey. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, I know. could not believe it. I was it. losing it. I thought that was hilarious. Do you think we're going to have any female listeners after doing this? Uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's our argument. Yeah. In our favor. Come there on. There it is. I mean, it was funny. It was a funny line. Part of it is the shock over something like this existing at all. It just seems so foreign right. now. Yes, absolutely. That's a huge part of it. I'm sure that if you were watching this week to week in the 80s, it was par for the course and you were you were either offended by the show in yeah, general and, or you watched it. And if you watched it, I'm sure you probably would be heavily desensitized to yeah. most of it. But now watching it, it seems so like a jolt yeah. of lightning from another planet. Yeah. <laughs> because nothing on TV is like this now. You're a little taken aback. Yeah. Listen, I was definitely laughing and... None more so than at this line. I think the problem is this shit was completely inappropriate, and obviously it was bad, and they should never do it. But the overcorrection into the PC culture we have now is like basically nothing is ever funny. People are terrified to be offensive in any way, and so yeah. you end up with just nothing. Like everything is so bland and, even and flavorless. The, even the nothing bland stuff ends up people find ways to spin it yeah. as it's like the most offensive thing that's ever happened and you're like really i mean i feel like this movie was completely throw like i actually feel like the truth is is worse than what you're saying which is it's so neutral and boring that it just doesn't move the needle at all yeah you're actually giving it more credit by finding some kernel of something to be offended by well i think a lot of people just sort of define themselves by that kind of stuff now yeah i know it's it's the world we live in this vision of an alternate future, Peggy is married to a wealthy socialite named Norman Jablonski, played by Ted McGinley. 
Whoa, Jablonski. Ted McGinley, probably most famous for being in Revenge of the Nerds. Now, here's the interesting factoid that I alluded to. Midway through season five, Ted McGinley became a series regular as Jefferson Darcy, and he became Marcy's new husband. Oh, okay. That's the guy. He just randomly appears midway through season four in these two episodes, and then he'll come back as a different character. And he's like the husband I remembered from when I was a kid and would see this on TV sometimes. I didn't really remember that Steve Rhodes guy. All right, so this is a little bit more almost monumental of an episode for regular viewers of the show. I guess, maybe in retrospect. Yeah. The family is happy and grateful, infuriating Al more and more with every passing second. They don't even care about gifts at all. Norman then reveals that he's planning on moving the family into a mansion, and it's a real love fest without Al. The angel is depressed now too because he realizes that al has no reason to want to live and he feels like he's failed to cheer himself up he actually walks over and pats peg's ass that i thought was the most shocking part there were two elements one was the christina applegate outfit what was more shocking the outfit or the audience reaction to it well i guess the combination (laughs) of the two that was a shock for me this though I, i gotta say i think this takes the cake just completely unexpected that you're going to have some male actor grab the female lead. Well, grab it makes it sound Sorry. a little bit more. Place his hand on. so Like a pat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to cheer himself up. That was nuts. Yeah, and then the crowd goes wild for this. <laughs> I know, jeez. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff like, okay, I- I'm always of the feeling that sticks and stones... Break my bones, words right, will never right. hurt me. And I, I, I don't really feel like anything is actually off limits when it comes to jokes. This is a moment where maybe they push it a little far. This definitely seems over the line. Obviously, I'm assuming that Katie Seagal is in on this and knows it's going to happen, but it's a weird thing to do. It is, yeah. It just sends like a strange message, which I'm sure this, if you go through every episode of this there's, show, it's there's, chock full of weird say, messages. Do you think there's some of those moments in this show? But the genius part of this episode which is what makes it so great and so funny i was even like explaining this episode to my dad like a year or two ago oh wow and i was like it's so brilliant because it just takes the thing of it's a wonderful life and turns it on its head yeah where (laughs) i'd love for the podcast to just be like you explaining these things to like your parents everybody's life is so much better without al that that in turn makes him want to live because he doesn't want them to be happy. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> and it's so perfect for this show. Right. It's genius. Yeah, some of the concept humor is definitely next level. I'm sorry, Bundy, I failed you. I was supposed to show you why you should live, but I can't think of one darn reason. <laughs> I'll never get my wings now. And you know what kind of woman you get in heaven driving around a 78 Pinot? <laughs> the same kind of woman you get down here driving around a 78 Pinot. <laughs> God, I'm depressed. <laughs> well, that's good. Wait a second. I want to be back with my family. Why? Look at them. They're happy. Not a care in the world. 
You think I'm gonna let that happen after all the grief they put me through? I want to live! Honey, are you serious? That means I'm gonna be an angel! I'm gonna get my wings! I'm gonna be a real angel! But first, first I'm gonna go take a look at my ex-wife. You really did love her, huh? No. No, I just want to put a package of ding-dongs just out of reach of her pork pie fingers. And then as she oozes that thousand-pound bump over the table, lifts up three of her chins, so she's able to put one of them into her mouth, I'm gonna turn them into me! A 20-year-old Ronnie Corpse! How do you like that, Thelma? Daddy's home for Christmas! You pig! You slut! Take a bite of this shampoo! And so now the angel's going to get his wings, and, and Kinnison's exit from the show is truly unbelievable. It's unbelievable in a way that I just don't even know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's horrible, offensive, sexist, gross, unpredictable. Okay. Like, you're just that like, works what as the an explanation. Fuck? Yeah. He says he's going to visit his ex wife and put a box of ring dings just out of reach, and then she lifts her thousand pound gut over the table to reach it with her pork pie fingers thousand pounds that he'll change the ring dings into his rotting flesh of a corpse that died 20 years ago right as she's biting into it then as if he's like screaming off camera to her as he's like going to fly over there he says whatever her name is you pig you slut screaming it yeah really wild sequence of dialogue i don't think i've ever seen on a mainstream show like a mainstream sitcom where someone is just screaming you pig you slut yeah i was gonna say i don't even know if the word slut i've ever heard on a sitcom or like mainstream network tv well they did say it on snl okay i didn't know that jane you ignorant slut in like the first season okay all right I'm sure they say stuff like that on shows like It's Always Sunny or, or Oh, cable sure, sure. Shows. Yeah, cable. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as far as like a sitcom that aired in prime time, right. that is a wild moment. Yes, it is. Fox was really like pushing the envelope with this show. Al wakes up in the snow. The family returns and everything goes back to as it was. Everyone's unhappy and he loves it. <laughs> Perfect. So... I was telling you that it seemed like there may have been a different version of this where there's more that the angel shows him in regards to Stephen Marcy, which did not make it into the versions we watched on Hulu. I yeah, don't know if that's true know, or not. I don't know why that would be, though. I know, because if you add up the two lengths of the episode, that would probably take up an hour's worth of television. I don't see this being any longer than that, but I don't know. <laughs> IMDb did list part one as an hour and part two as an hour, but I don't think that could be possibly right. That doesn't. That would be sense. a lot of stuff cut out. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense to me at all. Because I did see on YouTube commercials for this episode airing, and it would say an hour long. Yeah, that it had to be just one yeah. and two together as an hour. I don't know. So maybe there was stuff cut out. Maybe it went a little bit longer. Maybe if you combine them... There oh. does seem to be some weird stuff with TV over the years where stuff that aired that didn't make it to, like, whatever, the physical media release, and then things have gotten even weirder, like converting some stuff to streaming and things get lost along the way somehow. So there is some version of that stuff out there. Yeah, but the way that I read it 
was that it would be after Norman Jablonski promises the mansion. But oh, yeah. then what happens? Do they come back to the house? Because Kinnison's exit is in the house. So do they go over to see the shoe situation or whatever's going on? You know, I really have no evidence to argue on the side that there's missing scenes. It doesn't (laughs) seem like there would be. It seems seamless. Yeah. I don't know. Has anyone ever thought about this as much as we are right now? (laughs) All around, it's a home run. It's a home run episode. There you go. Merry Christmas, ass clowns. (laughs) 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. If you want trash TV that's super offensive, Married with Children, it still does the trick <laughs> after all these years. Yeah, it's effective. Yeah, I always found it to be pretty funny when I was going through it. I, I, I got a lot of laughs out of it. This was one of my favorites, though. All right. And so it synced up perfectly for Christmas. So whatever. You came for Schindler's List. You got Married with Children. <laughs> Were people coming to our podcast for Schindler's <laughs> List? I hope not. That would be strange. Yeah, well... Anyway, we will get to One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest at some point in the future. Of course, we want to talk about Jack Nicholson and all that stuff. So we'll get to it someday. Absolutely. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Anyway, we thank you so much for listening. Let's do recommendations real quick. Do you have one? Well, I'll do what I went to the theater to see last night. Steven Spielberg back on the map with uh, his remake of West Side Story. You were the only one who went to see it. Yeah, not very many people. I did enjoy it, though. I don't have this tie to the original like it seems like so many filmmakers seem to. You always see that popping up as a filmmaker favorite so with very little tie to the original not even really remembering like the songs that are in it or anything i thought it was pretty fun and and well made too i actually really i think it was probably a spielberg movie that i've enjoyed more than most of what he's done over the past i heard that ansel elgort sucks though oh he's a dud i was saying that to Lindsay when we walked out of the theater and she was like well that's just that character is a dud no, he stinks. Yeah, he's he's not very good. Oh, because he was so dynamic and baby driver. <laughs> like, God. Please. No, well, I, and it could be both, too. It could be that the character was a dud and he is a dud. But the side characters are certainly a lot better than even even the female lead, I, I thought. Like, a lot of the story and everything that's going on with the side characters are is more fun and compelling. But it is cool. I mean, it's definitely, like, one of these spectacle-type movies. So, you know, I, I think even you would be... I hate musicals. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard it's longer than the original. Yeah, it's too long. It is too long. But it could have yeah, been well, shorter. I think we were having a big conversation about the grim future of cinema, which I think we'll have to save for another time. It's a rough time right now. Yeah. Everything that's not superhero related is pretty much bombing and bombing hard. That's right. We're not going to really have theatrical experiences in the future. It's and there's going to be a very limited selection of adult movies. And by adult movies, I don't mean porno. I just mean movies aimed at adults that aren't yeah. superhero or pre-existing IP. Whatever. It sucks. But, all right. Get out and see West Side Story if you can. I have three. All right. Let's hear it. And they're all sort of the same. Perfect. They are three different documentaries about filmmakers that I watched this past week that have all come out in the last five or six years. So I'll go in order 
of their release, which is also the order that I watched them. So the first one is De Palma from 2015, which you can stream on Showtime or Canopy for free. Canopy is probably a little tricky for some people who don't know what it is. Which I always think I actually did do as a recommendation on here a while back. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just it just crossed my mind that I I, I think I did. I definitely watched it when we were doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> if you are interested in filmmakers, these are three selections that go through some filmmakers' careers and you can learn a little bit about their filmography, their history of movies, their progression. The De Palma one's cool too because it obviously it's this thing that's so tied to him is like this doing the, the Hitchcock style stuff, but they actually like do a lot of shots where they put like side by sides of stuff from his movie up against like Hitchcock work. Yeah, the De Palma one is just him talking. That's it. You don't even hear people ask him questions. He just talks. And you see clips from his movies and stuff right, too, right. but it's yeah. just him. It's very fascinating. His career is all over the map and it's very long. And there's probably a lot of stuff that you didn't know that he directed or it's just weird to put one up against another. There's a lot of his stuff that I still haven't even seen yet, so I'm still... I, yeah, he does have a shockingly long filmography. I'm still working through it. The second one is also on Showtime, but it's also free on Tubi, Vudu, a few other places, and also a rental. So if you don't have Showtime, you can rent these for pretty cheap. But this one is... If you have like a Roku or something, you should be able to find it. It's it's free in a lot of places. It's Friedkin Uncut, which came out in 2018. It's a little different than the De Palma one, although Friedkin does talk, and he's a big part of it. It also features a lot of other people talking, too, including Wes Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, oh, cool. Edgar Wright, wow. a lot of other filmmakers talking about it. They do skip over a lot of Friedkin's lesser works in the 90s, including Jade, unfortunately. I wish they would have talked about Jade. <laughs> it's not as organized as the De Palma one or as linear. They do jump a lot more. They open on The Exorcist and then sort of circle back to French Connection, which came out before The Exorcist, stuff like that. It really goes like his pre-French Connection documentary stuff, French Connection, Exorcist, Sorcerer, cruising to live and die in LA and then it basically jumps all the way until Bug and Killer Joe so okay. it skips yeah. over a good 15 years of his career which was mostly director for higher stuff Friedkin's a little bit more controversial than De Palma although De Palma gets accused of misogyny in his films Friedkin also has sort of a reputation as being hard to work for or hard to work with that really isn't brought up at all but it's worth watching it just to see him pull his pants up that high. <laughs> I mean, it is like his pants are pulled up so high. It's insane. Wow. <laughs> he has that old man look. Okay. I would be interested to see like the Wes Anderson Tarantino interviews on there. Yeah. There's a lot of other people too, but yeah. those were the ones I could remember. And then finally, speaking of Tarantino, QT8, Quentin Tarantino, the first eight films, which came out in 2019. This one is on Stars. Probably not as many people have Stars, or maybe not Showtime either, but it's also a rental. This had a brief theatrical engagement situation, one of those like event type deals, sort of like when we saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot, where you had right. to like go oh, to a yes. specific day or something. It wasn't just open everywhere. Right, right. A Fathom event, maybe, something yeah. like that. 
This one is interesting because Tarantino chose not to participate in it, which is disappointing. I sort of get it, though, because of the timing of the film and some of the subjects that are covered. Because, like, Uma Thurman doesn't participate either. Probably because she didn't want to have to talk about certain things. So there is that element to it. There is stuff that feels like it's missing. They do talk to a lot of people, though. A lot of people that are in the films. They go through just the first eight films, I guess. I don't know, but... Makes yeah, sense, yeah. based on the Hollywood title. is the yeah. ninth one, and then they, they sort of say, like, oh, that one's coming. They talk to Jamie Foxx, Samuel L. Jackson, Jennifer Jason Lee, Diane Kruger, Robert Forrester, R.I.P., oh. Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, a lot of the producers and stuff. A lot of people. Pam Greer? Pam Greer, no. Dang. Yeah, there's a few people I wish were on it that aren't, including Pam Greer. Obviously, you'd want Uma and John Travolta. They're not on it. But look, if you're a big Tarantino fan, you'll probably get a kick out of it. It's pretty fun. It's not like super in-depth. Right. You know, there's eight movies to cover. It's like an hour and a half. I'm interested. They do cover the Harvey Weinstein stuff, which obviously they have to do, Uh, but it feels weird that they do it the way that they do, where they're using clips of Rose McGowan getting killed in Death Proof or Uma Thurman crying in Kill Bill and stuff like that over Michael Madsen talking about it. Because Michael Madsen is really the only voice they use talking about it, which is very weird. That is weird. I don't know. It, I, maybe the other people were like, I, I no comment. Like, I don't want to say anything. Yeah. They do show the footage from Kill Bill where Uma Thurman crashes that car, which became like the center of a big controversy. But since they don't have Quentin or Uma on the dock, there really isn't much to say about it because what are they going to have someone else comment on that? Okay. It does, you know. Yeah, it does sound like it feels a little incomplete. Yeah, it's still enjoyable, though. I feel like I probably learned a few tidbits here and there jamie fox is entertaining people have some good comments so check that one out as well will do anyway that'll do it for this episode thanks so much for listening follow the show on twitter at greatest pod make sure you're subscribed on apple Podcasts, podbean happy holidays to everyone give us a rating and review follow us on letterbox zach 1983 matt crosby and yes thanks so much for sticking with us in 2021 been a hell of a year we have one more episode left we are going to hopefully release it on new year's eve it should be a big one i think it'll be a lot of fun hopefully we (laughs) it's always the aim yeah if people are a little bit let down by a tv episode don't worry there probably isn't going to be a regular television episode of the show other than give us a seconds for a while this was sort of a last minute switch up Basically just to give me a break. Yeah, a little cool down. Yeah. Not everything needs to be super long. Right. All right, folks. Come on. Yeah, relax. Yeah. We both work 40-hour-a-week jobs. Sometimes Matt, even more. longer, yeah. but he's not nearly putting in the hours on this podcast. That's that true. Right. It's not like this is our full-time gig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically using all of my free time for this show, and it needs to stop. <laughs> all right. We need a producer. Sometimes we're going to have to do a random thing like this so that I can get a break. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. I was feeling pretty good for la 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 la. Taking my time on the la 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 la. Snow falling down in the la 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 la. Everybody singing like la 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 la. Decking all the halls with the la 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 la. Making my way down.
riding in the street And the people in the light All the children in the light Singing holy, holy night I was feeling pretty good for la 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 Taking my time on the la 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 Snow falling down in the la 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 Everybody singing like la 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 Decking all the halls with the la 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 Making my way to the la 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 I like to sit out on the pier I was shooting something and I had come, I was traveling quite a lot that year and I was just not feeling right. Mm. Something had happened in my life. And this woman on set said, go to this woman I went to, an acupuncturist. Mm -hmm. It's a special kind of acupuncture. Just go, don't ask any questions. Uh, down a dark alley and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in New Orleans. I go, I take, I take a taxi. It's like in the back of a plant shop. Like they sell flowers mm, and plants in the front and in the back, this woman does this <laughs> special kind of acupuncture called five element acupuncture, which I've never had before. Oh yeah, the five elements, right. Okay. It's a kind of acupuncture where they don't leave the needles in. And mm. she does all these tests with like moxo, which is a thing where they burn yeah. an herb on your back. And, and then she goes, okay, um, I'm going to need to needle your perineum. Oh, wow. Right. And she goes, do you know what a perineum is? And I was like, is that your taint? 